0: Talking about the family this evening. Uh, it's a very simple message. Before we get started in it, uh, let me read you an article. Uh, the, the title of the article or the headline is "China Faces Population Decline." That's not really good uh, new news, nonetheless. I, that's not good news either. But worker shortages after killing 400 million babies in abortion. Satan is at work, and the devil has been on a plan since the beginning to destroy the nuclear family. China is reaping the consequences of its brutal one-child policy. After killing approximately 400 million unborn babies and abortions, the Asian nation is now dealing with a new problem, a shrinking population. Who would figure that? The Washington Times reports new data released by the Chinese Bureau of Statistics show more deaths than births in 2022. You know, when COVID-19 hit, you know what you saw on the screen every time you turned on a screen? The death count. How come we don't see that every day? How come they don't flash that over the screens every day? Because they hate the family, that's why. Ungodly nations hate godly families. And ungodly leaders hate godly leaders. That's the way it's always going to be. It's not going to change. After 9.56 million births and 10.41 million deaths last year, there are approximately 850,000 fewer people in China, according to the data. Uh, That's almost a million people. China still has the largest population in the world at 1.4 billion, but its shrinking numbers are causing problems. Companies are struggling with worker shortages. Men cannot find wives due to sex selection, abortions, and aging. Childless couples wonder who will care for them in their old age. You start messing with God's plan, and you start messing with the family, your population is going to break down exactly what China's seen, And if you think it hasn't moved to the United States, it has. It's all over. Our job as Christians is to understand just how important the family is. Now, let me qualify that because there are some who elevate the family above God, who elevate the family above God's institution, the church. That is a biblical unbalance. God, yes, He created the family first, but He has a New Testament church where that family needs to be a part of and plugged into. But God's family, the way that He set it up, the nuclear family, the scriptural family, whatever term you want to use, It is being systematically broken down. They don't want a family. This world doesn't want one. If we're not careful, mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, we will think that it all has to do with us raising children. And all that that is important. I'd like to back up a little bit and talk about the marriage because uh, uh, husbands and wives, guess what? Your children, my children, they're not going to be living with us forever. (laughs) It's a temporary training. They're going to go on and then have their own families. But you know who God brought together—a man and a woman—and He said they become one flesh. You will not successfully raise your children for the Lord unless you have a strong marriage in the Lord. And if you think kids don't—if you think kids can't figure out if mom and dad have a strong parent uh, 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 marriage or not—think again. They're a lot smarter than than you may think. They just really don't have the voice uh, to, to say it. Go to Genesis 2. We need strong marriages. And we must focus on building our marriages before we can start building our children. Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father, Do you know why the government and the public school and all the satanic organizations and false religions out there want to welcome in and try to, and and, and try to encourage boys and, and try to encourage, to convince them that they're not boys? This is why this verse is why. A boy must become a man. And a man leaves his father and his mother. And, and he cleaves and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's the doctrine of biblical marriage from the Holy Scriptures. Go to Genesis chapter number 18. False religion is the problem. I'm thinking of three churches right off the top of my head, right in our town. You may know more, and I'm sure there are more. The old-time religion causes us to love everybody, except we don't def- we don't redefine biblical love. And biblical love says, if you redefine the marriage between one man and one woman, biblical love says, I love you, but you're wrong. What's the man supposed to do? What is the husband supposed to do? Genesis 18, verse number 17. The father is a provider and he is responsible for his family. Well, let me say for the family that God has put him over. And it says, and it came to pass, uh, Genesis 18, verse 17. Uh, and the lord said shall i hide from abraham the thing which i do seeing that abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for i know him watch what what watch watch this that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. This is not, this is not a harsh father. This is, this is a father that commands his house. And he says, children. This is what I am commanding you to do. That doctrine has all been wiped out from the family. Dad's supposed to skip around like some tutti-frutti, light-footed, spineless wimp. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Abraham commanded his family. And he said, this is what we're doing. Not in a mean way, not in a harsh way, not in a condescending way. Biblically, he commanded them. And the Bible says to do justice in judgment. We need to get back to that. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter number six. Deuteronomy chapter number six. Look at verse number five. Well, for context, let's get verse four here. O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. So we, need, we know these commandments and statutes and judgments are given by God to the nation of Israel. So we understand that doctrinally. We're going to try to get some practical help for, from this verse for us. Here's what it says. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. You know what they're trying to take out of the family? That. Don't love God. Love us. We'll take care of you. We'll provide you free this, free that, free everything. Trust us. Love us. Give your heart to us. This world doesn't want families to love the Lord their God with all their heart. But God told that nation, you better love me. Give your heart to me. And then it says, all these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here's a question for all of us. What's in your heart? The heart of your family. What's in your heart? The heart of your marriage. What's, what's the heart of it? Is it God? And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. you got to get up in the morning. My dad had us up in the morning. My mom had us up in the morning. It's time to get up. It's time to rise up. It's time to go to school. It's time to do some chores. It's time to go spend some time with dad. Rise up. The Lord should be on our minds and in our hearts. And not just when we rise up, not just when we go to sleep. Everything that we do. You're out there gardening. You're thinking about the Lord. You're talking to your grandkid about the Lord. You're taking your son and you're painting a fence and you're making some application to the Lord. Does it all have to be about the Lord? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because everything we have is given to us by God. I go and do some exercise and I'm thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you for the health I have in my body, my bones. Thank you for keeping my health up so I can serve you, Lord. I know how important that is. You know, I read, and now I start to thank the Lord more for, man, thank you, Lord, that I can read and study your word. And I, I want to be a help to your saints. And I, I know if my eyes were to go, that would really be a tough thing. Serve the Lord in your youth while you have health, And don't forget who gave it to you. It's not just scheduled devotions. I, I've done that. I've not done that. I've been up and, and up and down on that. And You know, I've, I've forgotten some days. I've forgotten some weeks. And I've remembered some days and I've remembered some weeks. And I'm not saying we shouldn't schedule those types of things. But we should have a continual process of devotion that permeates our marriage and our family. people say is it quality or quantity well i don't believe in quantity of time i just believe in quality of time what if what if it's quantity what if it's more quantity of quality <laughs> we might need more of that in our marriages and in our families We were, Brother Kelly and I were briefly speaking About this earlier You know farmers today really Have it rough they really can't make a living Out of farming But there was a time uh, And and even in biblical times you saw That farming was a lifestyle And look I'm not Going down the road where if you don't have Ten acres of land and you're not farming the land That you're not right with God I'm not saying that That would eliminate all the people That live in cities that are Christians and saved and living for the Lord. So I'm not going down that road. I know there's some fringe beliefs out there on that. But look, just because you farm, it doesn't make you closer to God. Your heart could be far from them. But in the, in the agrarian lifestyle, in the farming lifestyle, you could go out and till the land and care for the land, nurture that land, and you had a lot of lessons there. Now you can go and you can care for your family. Nurture your family. The same way you farm. Husbandry was a a real easy fit for families to get close to God. So you got weeds growing out in the garden. You pick them and you know, you, you want to make sure that those weeds, they take over you're in trouble. You get little chicks, or you get little uh, quails, or you get little lambs, and you've got to care for those animals. Or a bigger animal's going to get them. You don't get those weeds out; they're going to choke out the fruit, the vegetable. And it was really easy to see those lessons in husbandry when you came in and you looked at your family. I'm going to get those weeds out. I don't want the weeds to choke out the weeds of the world. I don't want them to choke out my kids. I don't want Somebody bigger and badder to come and just swallow them up. And so we, we see those lessons very easily from husbandry and farming and the agrarian lifestyle. But fathers have a responsibility. Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm afraid we have too many fathers that have memorized this verse that don't apply this verse. You need to train them. You need to train them up, not beat them down. I'm as guilty as any father. There's times when I'm harsh and I should have been harsh. There's times when I'm squashing something down when I should have been building up. There's times when frustration has taken over and all of a sudden, I'm wondering, why is this happening? Well, it's because I'm not really training them. I'm just beating them. And not physically, just through attitude. Fathers have a big responsibility to train up their child the way they should go. Train them up! I was the oldest of six. And we had chores, and we had responsibility, and we had to pitch in. But my father trained us. (laughs) And it was time for me to help out. I I, I had to help out. And it was time for the second line to help out. He helped out. And so on and so forth. And that's normal, and that's right, and that's orderly. But my father trained us. He knew that that was his responsibility Not my responsibility because I'm the oldest. He trained us. He taught us to work. He said it's time to get up. He commanded us to do things. And I'm a better man because of it. We need fathers who understand their roles. And if that's your role as a grandfather, then embrace that role. He's He's the... He's the provider. Go to First Timothy five. First Timothy five, verse number eight. But if any provide not for his own house, and specially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. We can point at the world, the Chinese Communist Party, the government, and every organization that is against the biblical family. And we can all agree on You know what this verse says? A father that claims to be a Christian. Who doesn't provide for his family. Is worse than all those people that we just named. As a father, I have a responsibility. And if you're a father or plan to be a father someday. You have a responsibility. Young men. You need to learn to provide. So that when you have a family. You're not worse than all the groups that we just need. Now let me give you a personal word of testimony. Most of my problem hasn't been providing financial, because most fathers will go to work and earn enough money to buy milk and bread and food, and cheese, and we're not getting it from the government. Okay. That provision needs to be there. But you know, what my problem's been in the past. Not the financial support, the emotional support. The spiritual support. A father is not just providing carnal things. Look, he needs to do that. God has commanded us to do that. I'm not making light of that. But providing is much, is much more than just, here's a check. <laughs> Go buy some groceries. Why is that important? Go to First Samuel And go to chapter three. First Samuel chapter number three. Look at verse number eleven. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that hears it shall tingle. And here it is. And that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. Eli's boys weren't living for the Lord. You know who God said was responsible? Eli. I will also make an end, verse 13, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Why? Because his sons made themselves vile. And that wasn't the worst part. You know what the problem was? It says, and he restrained them not. Eli did nothing to restrain those boys. That's why we need fathers like Abraham that command their house. Why? Because some boys, some young boys need to be restrained so that they don't go down a vile path. No, son, we are not doing that. No, daughter, we are not doing that. That's not me. That's a father laying down some commands. Now, can he do it in a ungodly attitude? He can. So, how do you work all that out? You gotta love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength. And God God will help. You. The Holy Spirit will help. You. That's the Father. If He can do that, He's on His way to a strong marriage. And then the children, it's, it's easier. If the marriage is strong, raising the children. Is easier. Genesis 2. Go back. Then there's mom. We'll look at her responsibility. And we can't say enough nowadays that it's a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, a male and a female. One man, one woman joined together. They're one flesh for life. That's God's ideal plan. And in verse number 18 of Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Now that's pretty easy to understand. Men need help. So let me testify. I know that preachers shouldn't talk about their wives because, you know, it's embarrassing to them. You know, preacher's wife gets nervous because someone knows what the preacher's going to say. Men need help. They don't listen. I'm told to put my work gloves on, to go out and work with the wood. I don't put my gloves on. I don't want to listen. I'm stubborn. You know what happens when you work with wood and you don't have your gloves on? What happens? What happens? It splinters. They get stuck in your hand, your finger. And a little splinter will cause more discomfort than someone taking a two by four and just hitting you on the shoulder. I had four of them. And I had four of them because I wouldn't take the help that was provided. Men Quit being stubborn. Put your work gloves on. Take the help. Realize that you need help. But that's not the worst of it. I let the splinters go for a few days. And my wife has told me over and over you know, when you get a splinter, you're supposed to take it out as soon as you get it. But do I listen? No. Because I don't want to take the help. Why? Because I'm stubborn. So the splinters get embedded in there. And they hurt. And by the time that your thumb is throbbing. You can't get it out. You go over. And you, you run to your wife. I need some help. And you know what a godly wife does. Like? Oh sweetie. Come on over. Here, sit down. Go ahead, take it easy. Let me take care of you. Think again, fellas. (laughs) It's Look, I told you you should have worn your gloves, didn't I? (laughs) Yes, dear. You know what that is? That's a man who's stubborn and doesn't want to listen and take the help that's freely provided and freely offered. So the kids are in bed the other night and they hear weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth from dad. Why? Because I had a splinter so deep in my thumb and my wife had that needle and she stuck it in and I thought it went all the way through my thumb. And the kids couldn't help but want to come downstairs and just get in on that. Now, you tell me God didn't have this marriage thing figured out. Guys are dumb. They're dumb. Young young people, you're laughing. I'm telling you, when you get older, you look at him and you think he's strong and muscular and he's going to do everything for you. He's dumb. He's dumb. He needs some help. He needs some serious help. He thinks he's being a man by not listening to everybody, but he's actually showing how stupid he is. God created woman to help the man out. And we should should take that help. She is the nurturer. She is the guider. Some men say, "Well, I'll do the working, and the woman will do the house. Oh, I'll go out and work; woman will do all the housework." And no, 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 no. She's your God said she's your helper. That's a team effort. Marriage is a team effort. It's not you do your thing, I'll do mine. there's roles, but those roles fall under the umbrella of we are a team, and we build a strong team with the Lord as our man Go to Proverbs 21. It's a big problem. Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. Let you young people, you pay attention. Proverbs 21, verse number 9. Bible says you see all these big houses nowadays? You want to wonder why they're so big? Read Proverbs 21. Watch what it says. Proverbs, Proverbs 21, verse number 9. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Oh man, what a big house you got. What you build your house so big? It's only you and your wife. Yeah, that's why I bought it. That's why I built it that big. Get away from her. <laughs> if she's in this room, I'm going all the way down yonder in that room. What you get in the roofing business for, Joe? Well, you ever have to talk to my wife all day? Look, I'm making fun to prove a point. You know what God said? A man would rather live in a mansion as wide as can be than have to deal with a brawling woman. He'd rather be stuck up on a corner on a roof than have to deal with that. And look, as much As much as men can be stubborn and not take the help that a godly wife wants to offer. Women, equally, you need to pay attention. You can wear him out where he won't want to be around you. He He will make an excuse in his head that isn't sinful. He'll just say, you know what? I'm just going to start building onto my house. I'm just going to start trying to fix a patch up on the roof. You need to be careful. A strong marriage. Builds strong families. Ladies. As the story that I just illustrated. It would be very easy. Young, young ladies, when you grow up and the Lord provides you a husband. You don't want to point out everything that he does that's a fault or does wrong. Be there to help. Be there to help. And when he does something silly, be there to help. That will build a strong marriage and the children will see that. Titus 2. People have asked. And they don't ask this to be rude. They don't get asked so much anymore. But does your wife work? Nah, she just sits around the house and eats bonbons all day. Like raising kids isn't work hard work. <laughs> does your wife work? Oh, she worked real hard. But this society and this culture is trying to convince women that they cannot be happy at home. We also have an equally fringe group on the other side that says, somehow a woman's a Jezebel or she's a sinner if she does have a job. So let's try to meet this out. Let's try to see, let's see if we can get some help on this. But the family has been attacked because they're trying to redefine the woman's role or the mom's role. Titus chapter 2, verse number 3. Let's look what it says. Uh, uh, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers and not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. If you're older than another woman, then you're the aged woman. If you're 25 and you have some teenage girls that are 15, then you're the aged one in that situation. So what do you do? You've got to teach them always to love their husbands and to love their children. You know why? Because it's easy to look at someone else's, if you're married, it's easy to look at someone else's husband and say, well, how come you can't be like old Joe? It's easy to look at someone else's kids and say, well, how come you don't behave like such and such kids? Well, maybe if you would quit nagging me, they would. And then there goes the fight. Ladies, here's what you need to do. Wives, you need to get your heart affixed on loving your husband and loving your children. And then it says that they may teach the younger, uh, I'm sorry, verse number five, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, praise the Lord, my wife doesn't have to work. And ladies, if you're sitting here and you don't have to work, praise the Lord for it and thank your husband for it. If you do have a job and you love your boss and can follow his rules and commands and are fine with him telling you things to do, but you're not okay with your own husband being obedient to him, that's way, way, way out of line and way off balance. A woman is told to be obedient to her own. Husbands. Well. If you can keep the office cleaned at work. If you can keep the boss happy. Because you got all his stuff. All organized and straight. So he can make the company successful. And then you come home. And you don't keep your own home. That's out of line. It's not that I'm sinning. Because I'm working. It's that. I have made something more a priority than my own husband, my own children, and my own house. Well, praise the Lord, I don't work. Okay, but do you keep your house? Well, bless God, these women, you know, they're out in the workforce and they're working nine to five. Well, maybe they're coming home and able to do both. Maybe you're sitting around eating Twinkies all day and not keeping your house. Well, bless God, I don't work. Well, bless God, get up early, make the bed, clean the floor, fix some breakfast, get the kids schooled, and let's let's make let's keep that home. We got too many lazy ladies just sitting around painting their toenails. Keep your home. You're supposed to be more happy smiling not trying to be mean but the end of that verse says that the word of God be not blasphemed you don't want to grow up and blaspheme the word of God because you can't keep your own house the Proverbs 31 woman is not thinking of her career first the Proverbs 31 woman is thinking of her family first She's not trying to keep up with the Joneses and keep up with the neighbors and make more money than them. No, she is, she is concerned about caring for her family. And if a woman has to work, her job should be secondary to her first priority, which is keeping her own home, being obedient to her own husband, and raising her own children. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it forbids a woman to work or tells her that she's a sinner and outside of the will of God because she does work. There are many women who do not work and neglect their children. It works both ways. So find a biblical balance. We've chosen to not, I'm thankful. My wife doesn't have to work. I don't want her to work. She's got plenty of work plenty of work believe me she works hard there's a lot of women they're at home but they ain't keeping it and there's a lot of husbands they're at work and about all they're providing is money what am i saying if you want a strong family it starts with a strong marriage, and those roles must be understood. Husbands don't just provide carnal things that emotional and spiritual provision must be there. Ladies, don't just say, "Hey well, I don't work. I, 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 I'm, I'm okay. well, fulfill your role." Why? Because the love of God's in your heart. A strong marriage is the backbone to strong families.